0: It's time for Making It Personal, a personalized SC podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Making It Personal podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Fersner, and today I am joined by some very special guests from College Park Elementary. We have Carrie Martin and Lindsay Baker. Welcome, ladies. So we'll start by having you all introduce yourselves and then we'll jump into the conversation.
1: I'm Carrie Martin. I've been um, teaching for about nine years and I am a special education resource teacher. My students are in third, fourth and fifth grade. All
2: right, uh, my name is Lindsey Baker. I am a kindergarten teacher and um, I also have the EL population mixed in the classroom as well. And so it's a, it's a fairly good mix of kids.
0: Awesome. Well, we're so glad to have you guys here. We'll start off with this question. Um, how are you? I know that's a loaded question, but let's start there. Tired. <laughs> I can imagine. This year's a lot.
2: <laughs> yes, I will agree. But we, I mean, knock on wood, have turned corners in my classroom. And I feel like we are on that good uptick right now. And I'm just going to ride that wave for all it has. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Um, a positive for me is that I have a really good group of kids this year who are really putting forth their best effort, which is um, amongst all the challenges that we're facing and the absences from quarantine and all that stuff. Whenever they come back and whenever they have to learn from home, they are giving it their all.
0: Well, that, that's awesome right there. That's awesome. Thank you, ladies, for sharing that. So I kind of wanted to start the conversation off by asking you all, how you got introduced to personalizing student learning in the
1: first place. How did that start for you all? I was part of the, um, the cohort at, um, in 20, I think it was the 2018, 2019 school year. I did the cohorts A and then B got interrupted from our COVID. So we didn't get to do the whole thing. So that was how I got introduced. And we started, um we started with the um the empower book and i mean it was i've learned so much just getting started that way Uh, and then we started to do some work here at our school uh and i was able to actually like apply some of the things that we had been talking about at the office of personalized learning so that's how i got started
2: what about you lindsay um, I was actually part of that same cohort that Carrie was a part of both A and B, and that's um, where I got started. And I had taken, I was trying to get my renewal credits. And so I had taken a course on um, just personalized learning and watching how it was being integrated into classrooms. And then I just kind of have been doing my best, trying to stay with it as much as I can for kinder- with kindergartners. Awesome. Awesome. So My
0: first wonder for you guys is, um, after you kind of engaged with the cohort, um, where did you start when it came to actually infusing practices in your classroom? We know probably you guys were introduced to the framework for personalized learning, which basically spells out several different places you can start. And that's the number one question we get from a lot of folks who are just being introduced to personalized learning which is like, where do you actually start with the practice implementation? So where was that starting place for you guys?
1: I think for me, I started um, in the place where I was most comfortable, which was like the culture and climate of, of my classroom. Okay. Um, doing things like having my students be more involved in, in determining what our classroom rules and expectations were so that they could take um, ownership. So also student ownership was something that I tried to jump in with um, right away. So I think, um, since I was already, uh, kind of comfortable with the, um, the more social emotional aspect of it, um, that's where I started, um, and trying to get my students to be more self-aware when it came to those kinds of things too.
2: For me, I started with just trying to create the experiences to help the kids kind of identify their own learning profiles. Cause I know, like, For me, when it comes to any of our professional developments, I know how I learn, but then I never actually thought until I dive deeper into this about what ways work best for my kids. And so that's where I started with was like the environment, like what environment is going to work best to get them where I need them to be. And then just, like I said, providing those opportunities where, you know, we're playing like louder hip hop music that, you know, like like kids bop, that kind of stuff. We're just trying to see what they like the best and giving them that voice in how we're going to be learning for the day or how we're going to be doing different things. Thank
0: y'all for sharing that. In the midst of just those initial practice implementation pieces, did you encounter any stumbling blocks? Um, did you encounter any things that made you go, hmm, like maybe this isn't the direct thing that I should be doing or let me try something different? Um, share more about like what those moments were like for you when you were just getting started.
1: I think for like what, like Lindsay was talking about with the learner profiles, I think uh, a lot of my students were really quick to say that they don't know. Um, They didn't really want to self-reflect and sometimes with kids who are kids who have disabilities, it's hard for them to articulate their thoughts. They have uh, deficits in expressive language, receptive language, those kinds of things. So um, just getting them to really think about themselves and not just give me answers that they, they think I want to hear, but really to, to look at how do they learn best? What are their interests? Um, I think that was a challenge for my students, um, really thinking about what environment works best for them, what they like to learn about the most, how they like to learn it, how they like to show their learning. I think they had to think more about their own learning than they ever had before.
2: For me, I think the stumbles that I had were more personal. It was that release of control was really hard for me. And then even just that mindset that I, at first I was like, well, they're five and six years old. They're not going to know what they want. They're not going to. But once I was able to get past my own bias and, you know, and that control, because I feel. As teachers, a lot of us like that's you know we're good at it because we like to control the environment, we like to control the situations, but once I was able to relinquish that, it started to get better. Hmm. I love that. thank
0: you' all for being so transparent with with where you were at that time. Um, my next question for you guys is um what is it like now? So we've talked about like then when you guys first got started, obviously now like. We're just in a whole new world when it comes to education um, in general. So my question to you is, how do you think um, implementing student-centered practices has helped um, your students right now? Are you able to see any benefits in making those shifts um, early on or even continuing to make those student-centered shifts
1: right now during this time in education? So I think um, for my students and for me, we are pretty much exclusively using learner pathways in math. And it is really helpful when stu- I have students who are coming in and out constantly who have to go out on quarantine. And when they're gone, um, they, they do have the option to work from home when they are an official quarantine student. Um, but a, a lot of the time with our student population it doesn't really it doesn't happen. They don't have the support, they don't have the resources for whatever reason. Um, and also many of my students don't learn best that way. So when they're gone, which can be hence they have to quarantine for up to 20 days, which is a huge chunk of time. So when they're gone, they're not continuing to miss, Really important things that we're doing, because when they come back, they jump right back into where they left off, where they were. So it's not like they missed a whole unit. Um, They did miss some learning time, most likely, but they're not falling behind. They're picking back up where they left off and continuing to move forward. Um, I'm a resource teacher, so I supplement what is happening in the general education class. So, in addition to dealing with students who are having to be out on quarantine, I'm also working at a different pace than the other teachers who are not necessarily using these pathways. Maybe they're just not at that point yet in their own journey. Um, So, I've had to shift my thinking there because I'm teaching to mastery, and it has taken me a long time to be okay with that. Um, I have priority standards that I'm focusing on. And we don't move ahead unless we have mastered or we've come to a point of frustration and we need to take a break and look at it from a different angle, uh, which does happen sometimes. I'm not going to have a student be stuck on the same the same part of the pathway for a month. If, if they're frustrated, if it's not quite working the way we have it set up, then we move on. We come back and try something different. But I'm not just going to push a student along because the pacing guide says it's time to move on. So that has been a shift for me. That's been a struggle. I, I still get really stressed out when I think about
0: it, but it's okay. Thank you so much for sharing that perspective, Carrie. Lindsay, did you want to add on to that?
2: Well, I mean, it, that shift from going like going for mastery as opposed to just checking off a box, it is hard, but it's also one that I have made too. And when I grade my students, my kindergartners, I really look at it critically. Like, where are they? Are they mastering this yet? Because if not this, you know, like this chunk of kids, they're not going to be moving on. I may end up moving on the rest of the kids. And then I'm still pulling back and doing, you know, small groups with the ones that are just not there because teaching to mastery is so important especially for the, like just the basic reading skills. And that is so much of what kindergarten is that I, I have to go at that level. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that because
0: we believe it's in the best interest of students to reach for that goal of how do we structure our environment to where the focus is on mastery and not compliance, or like you said, the, the checking off of the box.
2: And it's also it's it's so much more about meeting them where they are, not where you want them to be. And I'll be honest, sometimes I feel like I have said the letter sounds so many times that I'm like, why are they not getting it? But eventually it clicks and then we're able to move on. But it's yeah, that's just it.
0: (laughs) Awesome. So next up, I'd love to know, what's one piece of advice that you might leave listeners with when it comes to um, making that shift towards personalized learning? If there are any educators right now that want to know where is somewhere that I can take a next step? How can I shift in my practice? What advice might you give them? I would
1: say start small. I think that was the best piece of advice that I got um, from the Office of Personalized Learning cohorts because it can really be overwhelming when you look at the big picture. But um, everybody kept saying, just start small. You don't have to change everything overnight. You can pick something really small, whatever it is, wherever you feel the most comfortable, which is why I picked like environment and culture of my class, because it was the area where I felt most comfortable to start to make small shifts. So even if it's only you're changing one little thing at a time um, and then that doesn't work and you try something different, it's okay because everything I've tried has not been successful. Um, Everything, something that works in another teacher's classroom does not work in mine with my population, with my learners. So I would say start small and expect for everything to not work the way you want it to and don't get discouraged because I think it's really worth it in the end. And it's worth it in the beginning too, when you're just starting out small, those little changes make a big difference too. So whatever direction, however fast you're moving, it's in the right direction.
2: I I agree with Carrie on that. Like definitely starting small, that is. And because you, you know, you look at what the outcome can be and you're like, oh, I want that so bad. And obviously it's not going to happen overnight, but also take time to reflect, but be kind in your reflections because, you know, we, they always say, oh, mistakes are, you know, you can learn from your mistakes. That's true. But also I have had more growth by stopping, reflecting what works, what doesn't work, what's, you know, more than anything. And that's what's helped me the most. Awesome advice,
0: ladies. Thank you all so much for sharing. We're going to take a really quick break, but we'll be right back.
3: Have you heard about our Profile of the South Carolina Graduate Competencies? They were created to help make the Profile of the South Carolina Graduate actionable. It is no longer just a poster hanging on our walls. Have you seen them but aren't sure where to begin? Are you wondering how they can support the work you're already doing in your classroom? Are you wondering what some first steps or possible entry points might be for teachers in your school or district? Then you are in luck. The South Carolina Department of Education, Office of Personalized Learning, along with our redesigned partners, presents The First Steps, A Teacher's Guide to Competency Implementation. Our hope is that this guide will serve as a tool for teachers who are starting their competency journey. One of the beauties of working with competencies is their flexibility. So while we provide a structure with resources and teacher examples, this is not a rigid process. You may find yourself moving back and forth between steps or even skipping around, and that is okay. Select pieces from different steps that you want to try, and don't beat yourself up because you're not doing it all. Our pilot teachers have recommended starting small and building as you grow. Good luck.
0: All right, everyone, we are back with our special guests, and we are back just in time for our special segment that I like to call Making It or Breaking It. So ladies, I want you to either share a make or a break. And a make could be something cool that you've seen happening in the um, realm of personalizing student learning. Um, Or you could share a break, which could be a concern, a barrier, or something that we as educators should let go of to give personalized learning a chance for students. So which will it be, make or
1: break? I'm going to say break and I I don't want to like beat a dead horse, but my, I think my biggest challenge and what I've seen affecting my students the most is that in their general education classes, and I don't mean this as a criticism of the teachers because everybody's on a, a different journey and it really, it, I think that the push to move students along um, regardless of of mastery and whether or not they're ready it it doesn't really necessarily come from the school level it's a bigger it's a bigger issue in education in this country so i'm not putting i'm not trying to put blame on any teacher because i don't mean it that way but um i think when fewer of us are working towards mastery it's really challenging um, for our students as a whole because when they're really successful in but then they go into their other classrooms and they're working on something that we haven't gotten to yet because they haven't reached the level that they need to be on to understand a higher level skill. It can be really challenging for the students, for their other teachers. Um, I, I, I think that that I think that we as as a as a nation, as a state, need to look at. Um, mastering content rather than surface level um, those kinds of, of of things because that's not really learning um, and it impacts the students across their entire educational career and beyond. Thank you for
2: sharing that, Kiri. What about you, Lindsay? Make or break? For me, it was it's a make and it's um, flexibility and just being flexible, flexible, not, not just like in the practice, but being flexible in even my daily schedule. And some days I might not get to everything, but if we have as a classroom dove deeper and I've gotten like great conversation and great interaction. And just, even if it's about something that isn't exactly what we wanted or what I had geared towards, but I still got something good from my kids I take that as a win because it is I have engaged them I have met them where they were and we've had a really great time to socialize as a group and build that better community and so just the flexibility some days I don't get everything done and I'm okay with that because the kids still learn something. Hmm. And to
0: that point, that kind of makes me want to ask a final question to you all. Can you think of any um, one story of a student that was impacted by your shift in student center practices? Can you think of any story that stands out to you um, from the top of your head that really kind of drives you to continue in this work?
1: That's a hard question <laughs> to think of on the spot. I've seen so many good things. Uh, And I think that every, I would say every teacher that I work with at this school has been adopting um, and they have definitely taken the leap into getting started with personalized learning and everybody's at a different place. Um, So I think that so many of the students at my school are being positively impacted by that. I think I'm, I'm really proud and happy to see everybody really doing something Um, When it comes to personalized learning, Um, I know my own students it's really good to see how proud and accomplished, they are when they are able to move a level on their math pathways. Uh, and I, I don't have any one specific student because it, it really has been happening across the board, just the excitement and the celebration and the understanding that it doesn't really matter where we're starting. Um, the fact that we are making progress is, is what we want to see. And I'm seeing that, that same mentality more so school-wide than in the past. And I think that that's a really good shift that we're making, the, the progress. Um, the celebrating of progress and effort.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll agree with that. There's not really one student in particular, but just for me, what has been very rewarding is when I've got those older kids that were my, in my class that still come in and are excited when they've, you know, moved up on their reading scores and they want to share that with me or, you know, their math, like they've done really good and or they even even just getting a note from one of my previous students that like struggled with writing or something like that and then here's it is years later I get a note in my box dear miss baker you know i just want to tell you that i appreciate you or i loved being in your class is all of that kind of stuff just it makes me want to continue because I am getting to know them on such a deeper level. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for sharing that. The
0: last thing I want to ask is where can our listeners reach you all or follow you um, or contact you to learn more about your journeys?
1: Um, Email is fine with me. Um, My email address is martincary at bcsdschools.net. Since Berkeley County yeah
2: and I uh, easier for me with email too at the schools and it is it's Baker Lindsay but I'm gonna spell it out because my name is spelled a little differently (laughs) so it's uh, B-A-K-E-R-L-Y-N-D-S-I-E at bcsdschools.net awesome well thank you ladies
0: again so much for joining us we'll be right back to close things out Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Connect with the Office of Personalized Learning by visiting our website, personalizesc.ed.sc.gov. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend, and tune in for a new episode every month. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!